Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Between Realities VR podcast. It's your favorite podcast, and ours too. And you know what? That's okay. <laughs> I think you should be proud of that fact. Uh, we're proud of, of the show that we're doing here, and uh, we're our own biggest fans. We've said that before. Um, <laughs> and we thank you for joining us. Um, and, you know, we're just being cheeky, all right? Okay, I know there's good podcasts and stuff out there, okay? It's all right. Just let me say my thing. Um, thanks for joining us. My name's Alex. I am one half of the Between Realities crew. There's two of us. The other half is sitting right here next to me. It's Kiva. Hey, man. What's up, brother? How's it going? Great. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I feel Very like cool. things are good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Vibes have been good lately. Yeah. Fun stuff happening in the VR space. Yes. Things could be things, worse. Yeah. For the most part, things are good. Today has been a little annoying. But, you know, because I... Uh, well... Yeah, okay, yeah. go ahead. Because, uh, you know, there's there's an Apple headset coming out. And uh, because of that, I wanted to make sure that I got, like, the most out of out of this when it comes out. So, I, you know, I started a long time ago off on iPhones. And um, and then eventually when things got to the point where I was like, I can't, like, the, the tech over on Android is now better. There's, like, you know, uh, I, I want to be able to control my default apps, blah, 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 blah. I switched over. And I've been over on Android for 10 years. Um, and uh, and today I got the iPhone 15 Pro Max. And um, so far it's kind of been hell. <laughs> it's been so weird. Like, like uh, you know, I'll spend like two hours setting things up, putting in my passwords, getting all the apps downloaded. And then it decides that it doesn't like my passcode anymore. And it's like, no, put in your passcode from your last iPhone over 10 years ago. And you're like, what? what? Who knows their passcode from like, I have my Apple ID. It doesn't want the Apple ID. Mm. It specifically wants the passcode from your phone from over 10 years ago. How is that even a thing? This so anyway, get. it's been kind of hell. This is what you it, get. You know, but um, <laughs> yeah, it is, it is what it is. And uh, you know, I do kind of have it going now. Who knows if it's going to keep running and uh, I don't feel good about this purchase, but you know, <laughs> the headset feel... better be good, man. Dude, that, that is... headset better be good. That's an expensive phone. To not feel good about the purchase, bro. $1,600 for the 15 Pro You Max are insane. With like, LiDAR. But I will tell you, that I think the thing that finally got me to pull the trigger was that they are trying to go carbon neutral and all these things. And that, to me, is very, very important. Um, so, yeah. Well, that's admirable. Go. Yep. You know, that's honestly, just keeping it real, not something I would consider when making a purchase. So, oh, that I makes you do. a better human <laughs> than me. And, and <laughs> you know, maybe you're inspiring me. Maybe I will oh, from now on. You know what right I mean? On, dude. I guess I should pay attention to that. Reboot Imagine in the chat saying, beautiful shirt, Skiva. Oh, yeah. You like that? You like that reboot shirt? I like um, I like supporting the best in the biz. Yeah, dude. You know I'm saying reboot. Imagine the real deal. <laughs> the real deal. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Thanks, Jose, as always, for your support and for being here with us. Uh, you're the real deal, man. Um, yeah. So that's my that's my crappy story of the day. Uh, hopefully things get better. I think they will. It'll it'll be fine. It's I mean, fun. a lot of people yeah. like it. You yeah. know. No, this is true. It, it, they they are good devices. They they really are. You know, it's like. I'm a, I'm a computer guy. Dude. I want to pick my default applications. I want to use the browser I want. I want to use the messaging app I want. I want to use the maps that I want. You know what I mean? And um, I so that's, hope that headset does, worth does everything know. you want. I know. It's not going to run Ghost of Tabor, bro. You know that, right? I know, I know. And that's okay. <laughs> that's okay because I have a headset 
I have many headsets to game on, you know, so I don't need this to game on. Uh, okay, that's... <laughs> I, I wish you luck. <laughs> Thanks. Like, Godspeed. You know? Like, I'm praying for you. Um, okay, so before we start to get into things, yes. um, I want to take a minute to say hello to our amazing community. Oh, we have well, the best community, um, you know, who are tuning in to join us live on YouTube, which is where we host the show, right? It's kind of where it lives. Um, but it is available everywhere. We do have a lot of audio listeners, and if that's you... Just shout out to you. Like, thanks for being a listener, even when we talk about the video stuff all the time. Like, we really do appreciate your support. And maybe you're on Spotify. Maybe you're on, uh, you know, iTunes or whatever, wherever you like to get your stuff. Um, thanks for listening. Also, yeah. shout out to Upload VR for um, being partnered with us. We are official Upload VR correspondents. And as such, this episode is available on the weekends on the front page of UploadVR.com. Uh, you know, she's just the longstanding leader in, in XR News. So... Shout out to Upload and Kyle, our uncle, who we love. <laughs> uncle Kyle. Um, and everyone else that makes the magic of Upload happen. And all the editors and, you know, Harry Baker and and uh, Ian Hamilton and and Henry. Um, um, you, don't even, you don't even know Something who Dale. they are. <laughs> you don't even know who Upload is. Listen to you. No, I love those guys. Yeah. I, I really do. No, they're great. So, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Let's, you know, thanks for being here and uh, watching on um, YouTube. If you're here live with us right now, um, there's something I was going to say about it, but whatever. Q Creator says the weekend. He's number number one in my chat, and you know what? He's just hundred percent right. He, he is every week, and uh, I don't know what we would do without you, Q Creator. So, thanks for being here and being a part of our Between Realities family. Red Slash Ace in the house showing up for another Haptics episode. Heck yeah, I mean, that's he's always right. Here. He's always here, but... That's Peter, another Haptic Glove dude. I know. Man. There's a lot of us, you know? I guess there is. There's a lot of us and not a lot of us at the well, same time. It's good to see that there's so many people trying to usher in all of this technology. Everyone knows hands are important in VR, so... <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, well, hands true. Hands make us human. True. <laughs> uh, but we're going to get into that. Uh, classy Grandma's here. Hey, hey, she's ready. That's right, baby. Hey, Classy. What's up? Hey, Classy Grandma, our number one fan. We love you dearly. Obscure <laughs> Nerd VR. That's Andy. What's up? bro good to hey see you Andy, man. what's going on hey german rifter shout out to you hey happy birthday happy birthday, happy birthday german rifter we love him dearly an yes og vr family member um and longtime supporter of our show happy birthday man happy birthday you are an amazing person and you know who else is ashley huffman ashley huffman it happy is also birthday her birthday yep. and ashley huffman is a part of today's story we're going to get into Oh, that. cool. Nice. We're going to get into that. All right. Happy birthday to yeah. Ashley as well. We love you, Ashley. We, and we love you, do. Daniel. We love you both. Mm -hmm. Traveling Man 3775 uh, is here. So happy it's Friday, dude. We're all happy it's Friday, bro. <sighs> I know. It has been for a real. week. E-Pilot 007. Real. Hi, folks. What's up, man? Hey, what's up? Thanks for being here. Duggars K in the house. Hey, VR hey, peeps. Virtual Steve says he's going out for his wife's 30th. Otherwise, he would be watching live. He can't wait to mow the lawn this weekend with a cold one and a good pod in his ears. Nice. Heck yeah, man. That's great. Check out Virtual <laughs> Steve. He does really cool stuff in Blender. Uh, getting things done as Jay Dizzle from the getting things done get him to the metaverse podcast what's up bro hey what's up man been, how's uh, it going I've been hanging out with Jay Dunn in VR oh really yeah I'm so jealous it's awesome he doesn't like to hang out with me in Dude, VR nah, nah. <laughs> just kidding no nah, he doesn't no nah, he doesn't <laughs> 
I do. Lo- I love Jay Dunn and I love Joy Rain. The two of them are amazing. Their podcast is incredible. Everything they do for VR is just, I, I hold them the highest regards and I just love them. Yeah. We did a little uh, emu VR and struggled with it, to be honest. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. It was kind of hard to get everything up and running and get things synced. It's a tough one. That is a tough yeah. application to get everything. Like the you really got to be kind of savvy. First time yeah. it was great. Second time we did it. Not so lucky. Really? Uh, yeah. So, Wait, so you already had it set up and you were going back in to play again? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Really? Had some issues. Dang. Yeah. That's but too bad. I'm chalking that up to like a weird day. And you know? and for anyone that doesn't know, Emu VR is uh you get to go into like a retro bedroom from back in the day and there's consoles everywhere and TVs and you can play games together. You can play NES or SNES or Genesis or whatever um together. It's seriously so awesome. It's when, it when it works. When it works, when it, it works, it's so sick. Mm-hmm. Um, they could also use a little bit more like avatar presence. Like they're yeah. like very like three like um, translucent heads that just kind of float around and like oh. I'm not feeling like I'm connecting as much as I yeah. would with just something a little bit more. You yeah. know, like walk about mini golf. Like it doesn't have to be fancy. Yeah. Um, you know, for the record, I kind of feel that way about Demio too. Like I wish it wasn't just the little floating masks, but I understand why because the stuff gets in your way yeah. when you're in there trying to play the game. Everything's occluding. You know. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Anyway. Um also I did uh Citadel with Jay Dunn. Oh, um, you did? How did. was that? I've been dying to get in there. It was pretty good. Yeah. There's a great mechanic of like um kind of like the team fortress to like rocket blast like yeah. you shoot the ground and you go like, flying go flying nice yeah. and it feels great i that's was rad. Like flying through the i gotta get in there and, and play that and i gotta play that super the Rumble. other one super which Rumble. i also played with jada yeah yeah How's and that one? you know he it's it's actually pretty good yeah if, yeah i mean yeah well they're using you know you can now <laughs> excuse me use tools like blender to import things into into um horizon so it's not just all the blocks and the geometric shapes and stuff anymore yep. you know now there's more complex shapes and mechanics and avatars uh, so. have legs avatars have legs they have legs it's going down yeah wow. so it, if you if it's evolution evolution horizon is worth a look yeah okay there are there are some great experiences you can have in there now it took years but here we are there you go jay dunn i don't ever want to hear it again okay (laughs) mind jive is here hi is all what's up man good to see you hussein x in the house as well hey hussein thanks for being here hussein x a just huge vr supporter man he's everywhere uh mickey bear in the house mickey bear keep an eye on mickey bear's comments legend you know what this guy does he rains codes you know what he's <laughs> reboot imagine like we said uh z storm vr who i've also been playing a lot z. of vr with and nice. we've been playing a lot of firewall together firewall that's cool mm-hmm. love me some z yes me Heck too yeah five dollars from classy grandma pow oh oh wrong button <laughs> wrong button uh, it's there been, you know we've been overdue for one <laughs> classy grandma says no lies i'm a fangirl you guys are the best way to go skiva get an upgrade no oh. one else can get him wine wine oh. yeah i know his, you know, his, the thing is, is the phone's not an upgrade. That's what we're, yeah, whatever. Uh, James is here. What's up, James? Good to see you. Hey, Laura Pisa is here. Also, hey. you imagine. Good to see you, girl. What is that? Arcanian in the house. Uh, he needs to take a break from No Man's Sky and Vampire Survivors. I really want to play Ooh. No Man's Sky. Uh, Dude, yeah, I get I, back into it on we, PSVR too. Okay. It's so good. Dude, love it. we can't so even go good. into that right now. I know, I Andy's know. VR Reviews is here. Just remembered it's Friday and rushed here. Yes. That's what oh. you need to be doing. Everybody needs to associate Friday with Between Realities VR Podcast. That's it. Period. Yes. That is what you do on Friday. Unless we change the day. Laszlo 2. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Laszlo 216, Cleveland Heights represent. Thank you for being here, dude. Riamu VR was an audio listener, now a live watcher. Oh, cool. Yo. Right on. Yo. Thank you. I love that. Me too. That is, I, honestly, that's the first instance of that that I've seen that I know 
happened. So thank Heck you. Yeah, that's great. That's thank you for coming. Checking it out live. Awesome. Legitimately awesome. Um, Brandon VR is here. Uh, another homie who we're always getting into the games with. Um, Heck yeah. And uh, my lovely wife, Brittany. Hey, what's up, Brittany? With the gloves in the chat. Cool. Um, oh, yeah, that's cool. Nice, yeah, nice little is. touch. It is a nice touch. Because <laughs> today's all about gloves, all right? Everybody knows it what's is. going on here. It is. I've, for the past year, I have been working um, at Contact CI as Strategic Partnership Manager. Um, and I can honestly say it's been the best job I've ever had, hands down. Never had a more awesome job. Very Not cool. Not even close. Very cool. Not even close. Um, it has been an amazing experience and to be a part of a team that's doing something that's so needed and kind of just cutting edge in the space, you know, like there's a lot of, um, I guess, uh, what's the word demand yeah. for something like contact CI is supplying and to be a part of something like that, um, is really, really important. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, uh, you know, kind of from my description today, you know, the sense of touch is arguably the most important sense that we have when it comes to interfacing mm -hmm. with reality, whether yeah. it's the real one or a virtual one. Yep. Um, and that doesn't necessarily seem to be the case in VR, right? Like eyes and ears kind of seem to like take precedence over mm -hmm. everything. Uh, but the sense of touch is coming and it's, it's as important, if not more important, uh, we think in the long scheme. Heck yeah, dude. Absolutely. Uh, so anyway, couldn't agree more at contact CI. Like I said, I uh, am a strategic partnership manager. It means I'm on the business development team and that team consists of myself and my superior, my boss and friend, the CEO of contact CI, who we are introducing now, please everybody welcome to between realities, Mr. Craig Douglas. Yo. Hello. Hey. Hello. Excited to be here. Y'all happy. Feel good Friday. Um, hey. you know, it's a it's a it's a pleasure and an honor. You know, it's it's been a wonderful year working with you as well, Alex. I'm excited to you know cap off that that first year here together. You know, uh, chatting with you here on your podcast. It's a you know truly you know uh, a blessing to to be invited by Skiva because I know he's the one who actually wanted me to come. <laughs> uh, and so uh, you know, happy to be here, y'all. Well, you know, I mean, I'm I'm in an especially vulnerable position right now. You know, I, I have I have my boss. <laughs> on my podcast, you know, to basically just like, you know, like I, there's nothing I can do at this point. You know what I mean? Like whatever you say. I'm in a vulnerable position if you, if you will, right? It's your podcast that you can, you know, you got things recorded, you got things going. I'm in, I'm in your domain. Oh yeah, I do have, I guess I have the home, the home field advantage. Yeah, there you go. There you go. You're the boss today. <laughs> so just oh, for the next hour. <laughs> yeah, I get, I get well, I'm excited to be here. I appreciate, you know, you, everything you guys do at Between Realities. It really is an exciting platform that you guys have built. I mean, as as I've said to Alex many times, it's uh, it's been really really cool to see the community that you've gathered. Um, it's been cool to see that how you know pushing the grassroots is not something that uh, stopped when consumer VR became consumer VR, right? Like the it's something that needed to continue to always happen. And it's the only reason why people even know about headsets happening. So um, I love what you know both of you guys and the whole community has done you know, as a whole. So I, I'm glad to be here for just between realities. Thank you, dude. Thanks, man. Appreciate that, you coming. That really do. Really means a lot to yeah. us. You know, especially coming from somebody who has been in the VR space for as long as you have. You know, like I've been, you know, in the past year that I've been with Contact CI, I'm doing as much as I can to make the name as known as possible and, and synonymous with being hands on in VR. Um, but I know this is something that you've been doing for seven years you know which like not a lot of people a have been involved short, in actually, that yeah, a little bit short i saw the description uh i mean uh the the initial origin you know tom and i so tom buchanan uh the co other co-founder of, of contact ci he doesn't you know like to get out and, and chit chat as much 
Um, but uh, we've been doing it since 2014, you know, you know, uh, and if you consider, can include some of the teammates that we worked with all the way back in college, Tim and Ben, you know, we were working on as early as 2013, but, you know, wow. the, the company itself has existed since 2015. Word. Yeah. I mean, dude, like wow. not a lot of people have been in the VR space for that long. Yeah. Um, so yeah. thank you for all of the work that you have done to get us here right because we're like standing on the shoulders of giants on our little podcast right now like talking about this technology that we love when at the end of the day there have been people who have been involved in this for a lot longer than we've been doing podcast episodes mm -hmm. you know I mean? yep uh, so ian hamilton and rev kyle <laughs> yeah shout, shout out ian shout out rev uncle kyle um so like i guess uh let's 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 uh talk some origins stuff a little bit like how did vr happen for you right because seven years ago it was quite a long time it was in the very early days yeah no absolutely um i like to say i, I joined vr professionally in the oculus awakening era um of so not because i you know vr itself was not not being worked on like even you know a couple months before uh oculus got its first funding and you know moved forward with everything that they were doing with the team of brennan irebe and uh carmack and palmer coming together uh sony had already been having a lab themselves for years right you had already had a group of people working at r d there you had already had a group working at other headset places as a whole microsoft you know you are you had everything going on in the enterprise space that had been existing truly from simulation training so i like to say it was really the oculus awakening era that came about for just consumer vrs when really i started you know getting into it for myself um so that again becomes around 2014 i get a dk2 and this is uh not i sorry my you know our, our university lab gets a dk2 right there's only about a hundred thousand of these shipped out not many of them out and about right um and my my, my good friend tim meyer and uh early early contributor and co-founder on the company um puts me in one of the DK2 experiences in the lab at school. That was the same one that Buzz Aldrin had been doing PR around making him tear up, thinking that, you know, he first time was really back on a, a mission, on the Apollo mission and, and going to the moon and really feeling like that was happening. And I was like, oh, wow, it's here. Like, spatial computing is, is the next generation now. If that's, if that's the type of immersion that he's feeling from something he's truly felt and that no one else can experience, right? Get wow. an opportunity to go sit down in a lab just a couple you know, blocks over from where I was living and get to try that out for myself. I got really excited. Uh, it brought me back to childhood days of, you know, going to the, you know, 90s VR uh, lab that they had at Disney, where I was able to do that Aladdin ride and really feel like I was getting to see the world, you know, on Aladdin's carpet, right? Um, like that stuff, like had put like a nugget in my brain as a child. And now fast forwarding, you know, all the way up to 2014, where I'm in this DK2, the uh, moment of, Sitting there, going through liftoff, everything, it's magical, it's immersive, I'm feeling like it's really happening, I'm seeing the cockpit around me, I forget that I'm sitting in a chair similar like one I have right now with the screen a couple inches from my eyes, uh, with an Xbox controller in my hand. I go through the moment of gravity turning off, and let's say, you know, just for simple, I'll use the glasses here in front of me, you know, object goes floating by me, my instant instinct being immersed is to, to reach up and flick it, right, because I'm like, I, that's what I wanted to do my whole life in anti-gravity, right? Is is experience like that I can I can manipulate objects there and see how that's different than my regular world with gravity, right? Uh, and not having that effect instantly took me back to my chair in Syracuse, New York, uh, with screen being in front of my eyes and Xbox controller in my hand, and not my hands actually being able to interact. Um, luckily at that time, Tim Tim and Tom had already been uh, together and working a little bit on some prototypes that led to the exit tendon. I turned around at that time and I told him. You know, I agree, I can't really do anything else until we can reach out and touch what's going on in that world because uh, spatial computing and VR is how we see as the next next computing platform. But 
you know, for the next computing platform to truly happen, it has to be three senses in our eyes. So um, that was the moment that, you know, I dedicated every day to it. Hell yeah, dude. And it is so interesting. Like you see this every single time you put somebody new into a headset. Well, maybe not every time, but so often when you put somebody new into a headset, you see this thing, especially kids I've noticed. Yeah. Where as soon as you put the headset on, boom, their hands are up and they yeah. are immediately reaching and grabbing at stuff, you know, and you have to be like, hey. You all the stock photos, right? But like, I mean, the very earliest VR before even like controllers were out there for Leap, Ultra Leap and Leap Motion Controller 2 was, you know, palatable or, the, you know, but Vision Pro was gonna launch as a hand tracking only device. You had, Every single stock photo with a Gear VR device that didn't even have hand tracking, yeah. people reaching out and trying to touch is the way they were showing, like, hey, here's the promise of VR. Here's how it's demonstrable visually. A hundred percent. You're right. Like, every, like, yeah. fake image of VR has somebody doing this, yeah. reaching out and, yeah. like grabbing with their hands so um yeah i mean i guess to, to anybody who has seen that or had that ex experience it's pretty clear the path that we need to go right like okay we need to be able to feel something yes <laughs> right? touch is huge and that's why the very i mean the very first thing that really happened after vr's launch was we went from that xbox controller to having you know the touch controllers and then htc with the vive wands right hand presence was that next big thing because uh, it's, you know, arguably the most important next to um, sight and sound, right? Mm -hmm. So now Absolutely. we need actual touch. We need to be able to feel things and reach out and, and grab things and have something stop our fingers and feel that, the, you know, the, the space of, of the object and feel um, yeah. the texture and... Um, so yeah craig yeah. do you remember I, i'm pretty sure you shared this with me but there was like a video that was um telling the story of like some guy who had lost his sense of touch do you, do you remember what i'm talking about uh not yet but i'm sure if you so, go a little further I will. yeah i was i and i, I could have swore you shared this with me or maybe i dug it up in the drive or something but i said i watched some youtube video um that was like a woman talking about this case where a guy had lost his sense of touch like mm. he can't feel anything and Ooh. they said that in from his account of the experience that it was like hell because yeah. like think about like laying in your bed you like you think you're not feeling anything but you're feeling a lot you're feeling oh, so it wasn't just in his hands it he was his can't entire feel body anything Ooh. And, you know, a lot of times, like, really, the, the way... How do you walk? The, exactly. Wow. You can't do anything if you can't feel it. And oh, the the kind of the way that the, the talk started was like, hey, if you could lose any one sense, like, um, you know, if there, which would it be? Or, like, you know, what would be the last sense that you would hold on to? You know, one of those, like, kind of questions. And everyone kind of goes to, like... Uh, like eyesight and you know you know hearing oh i would lose that or whatever but um anyway the point was yeah the sense of touch is profoundly important yeah like, man you know i would definitely uh peter in the chat isn't gonna like this but i think if i had to lose some one of them it would be the sense of smell just because all the I expos i go to <laughs> what's that I, I currently live with less than like a 15 percent of the average sense of smell really oh good so so expos are no problem for you walking around and you're like what the heck that kid didn't shower in 47 years <laughs> yeah, but it leads to dispositions, you know, growing up learning, you know, yeah. like not having that, uh, that orientation of what, you know, coming home from lacrosse practice and like being able to also, you know, obviously it had to be, you know, more aggressive from not saying I have no sense of smell, but yeah. like, uh, it's very, very, it has to be like right here. The aroma has to be really close for me to be able to grasp it. Um, my father has like almost uh, literally none. You can hold something right here and literally like can't smell it. Wow. That's Damn. wild. 
Yeah, I mean, I would I wouldn't want to lose any sense. I mean, they're all no, important to the human experience, mm-hmm. right? So totally. I think but, it's definitely dulled my taste buds. I'm not really a foodie. I don't really like I'm not like I, I like I'm like I, I get tastes. Like I care about tastes. Like, but I don't really have like those ultimately overly rich experiences from a taste side that other people do so i mean like there's definitely a hindrance in the human experience right when um i mean it's capable to be overcome in any type of way like just like uh people who are using modern technologies now to move around you know amputees not having sense of touch in their hand and being able to you know add that back in and you know things like that that are you know quite amazing or you know giving you know some some of the early oculus experiences that were pretty you know profound in being able to share what it was like to be a deaf person or being a blind person trying to give you that you know accessibility of being in someone else's shoes um none of those experiences tell me that like um you don't have to have like you know profound perseverance to to be able to navigate our you know able-bodied world when you have a missing sense so it's not something i would wish on someone just like i don't wish on you know all of us as the masses inside of vr right now right um i do believe that the the sense of touch is the only sense that you come out of your mother's womb being 100% developed, and that's not just my belief, that's a scientifically you know, proven fact, because it is, like Alex was saying, in terms of like your bed, it's your skin is, is how you're communicating with your mother inside the womb. Um, and so that's how you, you built a, a, a large layer of nuance, how you already understand and experience things that way already. And your, your sight and your eyesight, you're, you learn and you bring more into it as you're cultivating your experiences and your interactions throughout the world. Um, but right now we have obviously the opposite of that inside of VR for the most part, right? Tricky bit of marketing, you know, calling the first, you know, six off controllers touch. Um, you know, yes, it brought your hands in and it's good and it has you know, interactions going on. But they knew that they were doing a stopgap at that time, right? They knew that like the, the hand tracking and other ways to get hand presence wasn't all the way there to give the level of, of dexterity that we wanted yet. You know, now we have advancements that have make it possible so that you have headsets like Vario using the Ultra Leap integrated directly in. You have the, the Vision Pro coming out as the first primary hand tracking only, you know, device without controllers so that we can now go to that next step. But if we stop just there, you know, that's where we come back to again being fully touchless. And obviously that's the ultimate goal of contact is want to make sure that we, we don't get stopped there. We figure out a way that, you know, that those interactions are, are truly, you know, just built the same way that when you come out of your mother's womb. Right. And now have haptics always been a part of the plan or did it start as just like hand presence and tracking and then have the haptics get later? I think cause I'm, and I'm, this is actually like a legitimate question. I'm pretty sure it's the latter, but, um, I want you to answer that. No, so so uh, haptics has always been uh, the very beginning portion of the plan. Um, so if we think back to that that story of you know reaching out to flick the pencil in the the Apollo Eleven experience, right? Um, it wasn't just the fact that my my hand couldn't grab it; it's the fact that I didn't touch it and give a chance to manipulate it, right? Having that like the power to flick it and push through it, um, that's really what we were really thinking about. Um, and early days, we did spend a lot of time on hand tracking as well, um, partially because just to be able to do the research that we were doing on the haptics to make the exotendence exist to a point that the, they could be you know, manipulated well enough in a space to start you know, figuring out how much should we pull them, how much power concern should we have, how should we design around inside a wearable. Um, we needed to have quality hand tracking ourselves. Um, so shout out to you know, John Schroeder, our CTO back in 2015, 2016, he had you know, created a, a 23 degree of freedom, you know, exotendent based tracking system that was inside of our device that you know, while we were wearing inside the lab, it gave us perfect you know, abduction, deduction, being able to go across things like that, being able to move all the way through, but it was more than a 15 to 25 minute calibration process for each person. Um, so we, we realized from like those situations that, hey, on hand tracking was probably not gonna be the route that we'd be able to get to the most natural handset. Um, we built with you know, Ben sensors, IMUs, other things like that that are you know, more standard off the shelf components. Uh, in 
into gloves as well. But through the the developments that you know. Uh, Gemini, you know, is, is, is great now, but um, I'm blanking on what was the the release from Ultraleap in 2016 called? It was uh, Orion. The Orion update, you know, around that time, you know, showed a lot of promise from what was coming from the hand tracking side that there would be external that would make it possible to be able to plug in as an additive feature, and that's kind of the route we went to, you know, knowing. Um, we, it is, the goal has always been extending the hand as a whole. Haptics we knew was the ultimate route of getting there. You know, for example, like Tom, you know, his uh, his uh, original college thesis included a number of different actuation methods that you know aren't in the glove currently. And this was all again all the way back in 2014, 2015 that are you know, things that we'll continue to look at going forward. You know, in the future, because again, we for those who don't know, we call our stuff multi-force ergonomic haptics. Um, we didn't feel like those types of actuations would. They would add sure multi-forces, but not something that's ergonomic enough right now, or things that would not be able to give us enough detail. Um, so we focused really on the exotendant from from that time because it was the core thing that allowed us to have multiple forces and be an ergonomic way to get to that that first set of hand presence to start. Totally, and I really do like feel that the multi-force ergonomic haptics that phrase right there really does like encapsulate what separates Contact CI from a lot of the other haptic gloves out there. So do you want to give us a breakdown of a little bit of like what that actually means? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, what that truly means is that your hand has you know, multiple data points that's picking up at any time you're interacting with something. There's a lot of nuanced things happening. So that leads to the multi-force, right? If you're just one set of data, you're not going to be enough to trick your brain that you're truly engaged. Um, let's equate that on a visual side to something like black and white versus you know color TV, right? You're a little bit more engaged when you have that next data point, even though it's there. So we want to make sure that we're not leaving you with just black and white data, but fully color TV data in terms of what's coming on, on your fingertip engagement. Um, to be able to enable that, we lead into the fact that as you even see me here moving right now, the hand is the most complex part of the human body and most varied in terms of a mechanical piece of uh, machinery uh, on everyone's you know individual body it has the most varied human factors. And what we mean by that is, you know, every person can move a different amount. Everyone has a different level of dexterity. Everyone has a different level of like uh, flexibility. Everyone has a different level of how they engage something. Just, you know, on Tuesday when the team was together, Alex and I were there and we were, you know, eating some sushi with chopsticks and we noticed that every single person kind of has a different level of where they grip onto the stick, where they put their pressure and how they hold it so that they can manipulate that object. That leads into each person having different expectations that they've built into their brain of how they're going to interact with everything. So to make it a truly hand extension, you have to build it as a, an object that has all of those ergonomics in mind. You can't build it as something that's just how exciting the engineering it is to do this force. You know, it's really cool that we can output it this way, but does it put it in a way that allows your hand to be you know, extended in a natural or intuitive way? Um, that's, I guess, a little bit wordy of a way that we like, you know, want to lead to the fact that does it fit? Is it comfortable? Does it block you from being able to interact normally? Um, so like it, it, that's really a few, you know, break it down on the two layers of, Sweet. we want to give you all the data that's at least necessary to truly feel immersed. Um, but we also want to make sure we don't stop you from being able to interact in a way that you expect or intend to. Word. Yeah. So, you know, multiple data, meaning we're going to have vibrations combined with force feedback. So it's not just one or the other. It's like the blend of the two allowing you to kind of feel like that more, um, I guess like higher fidelity haptic interaction. And then as you uh, can see from some of the footage that we just showed, the glove itself is made out of like soft materials, you know, like a lot of force feedback gloves out there um, are like 
there's like hard stuff on it you know like plastic and like metal and it's uh, they're heavy and um they're not like pliable and lightweight or wireless um you know haptics which does an amazing job with like very high fidelity haptics um completely ignores ergonomics absolutely to do this right you have to wear a, a heavy backpack and you're kind of like moving like a like a boston dynamics robot all these you know? super thick wires going everywhere totally which which is which feels cool but is that practical right i mean not really <laughs> right you know so that's why you know i think you know contact ci is nailing it and just knocking it out of the park because you're slipping on some gloves and that's it like there isn't anything else to put on. There's no wires going to your PC. There's like, you just put on the gloves and everyone knows how to put on gloves. So, yeah. Literally just slip on them on. Absolutely. So Classy Grandma hit there us with a $10 super chat earlier. And oh, no. she had a couple of questions. She said, describe to me what haptics and this sense of touch feel like. And uh, does this mean hand tracking mixed with touch can be used for something as specific as say sign language? So sign language is definitely, you know, a, a great application that people are interested in, you know, have been for a while. Uh, I think there's been some quality research that have, you know, produced some good products that are out there, but like most things that have been in the human interaction space that are haptics, similar to the reason why ergonomics matters to us, they do get stuck as a lot of research projects. Adding it to the, the hand tracking that's already existing in a project definitely makes it possible. Um, so if you have a, a hand tracking that you're using, again, we could say shout out Ultraleap, um, or you know the oculus you know hand tracking or the hand tracking on the hall lens you know if you're one of those you feel comfortable with what you're getting from that data is enough to give you your asl in a in a, com in a complicated a complex way that you're really you know reading the full movements right then we can add the haptics directly onto that yes um that that, that becomes possible right then that's why we built the stack that way um so you've, if you've built an interaction around a hand tracking already the haptics can go paired right right then right now um you don't have to redevelop you know how you're going to be getting that interaction inside of it um there was a second part of that was about yeah, what's it feel like, like? Um, fantastic question. One of the hardest problems that has been going on for us over the last you know, nine years, <laughs> if, you, if you will, is uh, trying to explain that, right? Just like putting on a headset for the first time. Until you do it, you don't know what it really is. You can So we encourage you, you know, uh, next time we're out and about in public to, to come experience it, try it at any of our booths. I mean, we know for certain we'll be at CES. We'll probably be at some other places in between now and then. But uh, uh, come by the booth and give it a try yourself. But inside what it feels like, um, think about how your tendon uh, gets a, a little bit tight or your muscle in the finger gets a little bit tight when you grip onto an object based on your forearm pulling back there. Um, so it's that type of tension force that we're trying to recreate on an object. Um, so let's go with you know, my, my Coke bottle here in front of me. When you, when you push back on it, in real life you see my finger kind of start to get that rigidity from the physical object coming into it. That's really what we're trying to recreate, and it's a, a dynamic force. So there's, you know, depending on the objects, you know, a mass uh, or rigidity that you're going on. That much force pulled back on your finger is how we're going to give you that first sense of feeling. Um, but then we call it multi-force because we are blending that vibration here. So similar to some other vibration gloves that are out there, but the really thing that matters is that we're imparting both effects at the same time. So doing the vibration and the force feedback together now blends it to where you don't really notice if it is a, a pull that's happening or it's a vibration happening, but you actually just kind of get a, a static constant object. Um, if you're trying to push through something with like, all of your arms force like coming down on a like a table like this it's not going to physically stop you but if you're trying to come down on just like your your wrist force it's going to have enough to fully restrain you and stop you in place and we line up with how like your 
kind of synapse receptors, you know, expect the proprioception to happen inside of your hand so that you don't grip further, you know, same way that like at my table here in real life, right? I don't want to hit it like real hard because I know that's going to hurt. I know that if I want to set my hand down, I've learned to just go like that. Right. Um, so we're trying to give you just enough force that you feel like that type of motion. Sweet. The, uh, you know, the, the most recent product from Contact CI is Maestro or Maestro EP. Um, and that's kind of what you're seeing here in, in some of the footage that we've been sharing, um, which uh, is, I think, a huge improvement on all of the iterations. Like, I'm really, really stoked about this product and where it is. Um, it is currently available for $3,750, which means it is not a consumer device. Right. <laughs> right. right. But even for enterprise, it's a steal. I yes. mean, I, I, if I remember correctly, um, Hapdex's gloves were so at the time were somewhere around thirty k. Yeah, right. So thirty thousand compared to three thousand ballpark is a massive difference. So you know, from a consumer standpoint, that's still obviously expensive. But yes. from a from consumer enterprise, standpoint, but from enterprise, yep. we're there, right? Yep. So. How is it hey, that the same price as like a Vision Pro? You know, um, yeah, it's not <laughs> yeah. device. You're right. So, <laughs> it, for, first question is obviously not consumer. So then, who is it for? And then, second question is like, how are we able to offer a multi-force ergonomic device at such a competitive price on the enterprise side of things? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's for you know mostly simulation training is our market right now. Um, of course, there's other applications that we've been working with. You know, others that want to you know truly re research on how they're getting hand presence into a space for something else that may lead to consumer, may lead to other things as well. But um, right now, today, it's focused on those that are trying to do hard skills already inside of VR. So the biggest stopgap for let's say your trying to train a manufacturing facility, you know, onboarding on how to do a pharmaceutical task. You know, right now, if you're using the controllers in the headset, you're having to learn how to do the buttons, how to have the hand presence, just to learn to do the tasks that you're now going to be doing on job. So there's a two-step process now of learning something to learn something rather than having your hands directly in the space and giving you a one-to-one -one muscle memory back. Ooh knocking my things here <laughs> you know, sense of touch told me that that happened though you know that's actually exactly one of the things that some of our end users you know in tight spaces learning that they are in that tight space that they're operating in rather than vr just giving you that presence of i can just willy-nilly walk or knock around you know you know, you might learn that like you're in a secured environment or a healthcare space that you you, you really do have to have body presence while you're doing that interaction and building that one-to-one -one inside of that again hard hands-on skill that you're going to be doing um, you know, the, the, the biggest end users in this space, you know, are the, the defense department originally, like they've been, you know, training pilots with cockpits and headsets for decades now. Um, and that's why, again, if I called it consumer VR awakening back in 2014, there had been a lot of people dealing stuff on the enterprise side already. Um, that space is really where we're able to unlock, not having the same, build out the physical materials to say, have the switches and dials be there, but now being able to have switches and dials that you're feeling from the headset and then gloves already being there and not having the, you know, one cockpit take up the space of, you know, being physically built out. You can have a hundred cockpits be the space of a chair, a headset and gloves. Sweet. Um, how we're able to really offer them at this price point now is it's, um, we have learned a lot from uh, one of our early angel investors being Palmer Lucky uh, on how to kind of look at parts that have already been scaled up from the consumer world. Um, similar to how he built the original Rift with the taking apart, you know, his iPhone, taking screens out and using components that have got 
um, at scale consumer availability and viability, but proving that you can make them work in a device that, you know, while you're building them off one off and producing everything yourself um, at smaller scales that, you know, the, you're able to do so. Um, and that gives us a, well, that gives us a better, you know, availability of some of the price points as a whole, but also it, uh, it comes down to just, you know, we've, uh, we've designed the device to allow us to kind of target materials that are durable, viable, and usable, but also not going to be overly expensive, drive us up the price point and trying to like make it seem like, oh, this is a cooler piece of tech because of the materials rather than the technology itself working perfectly as a glove you expect. And what is the things that would work in an everyday environment? The same way that like, you know, your gloves that you buy as a workman or the same day your gloves you buy as a, buy as a pilot, you know, are something that you expect to work every single day there and, and feel valuable because of their ability to be rugged and ability to work, not because they, uh, they feel like a, a high tech piece. Yeah. Word. I love it. Um, classy grandma hitting us with another five bucks saying, OMG, Craig, this is amazing stuff. Well done and keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. Classy grandma. That's great. Um, yeah, you are thank too, you so much too, for the super chat. Too generous. Um, yeah, dude, I was, uh, I was quite taken aback when I joined the team and you're like, Oh yeah. Um, Palmer lucky is one of our investors. Like that is super sick. Um, how did that happen? Um, in the very early days of, uh, VR, you know, uh, the early connects and things like that. Like, I mean, shoot, connect one was basically a Palmer Lucky's birthday party at a time. You know, that's how few people, not how few, but there's like how intimate of an event there was at a time and things like that. So there was a lot of people getting to know each other early. Um, so from some other VR founders that, that knew him well and knew me well, you know, kind of got us together in late 2017, uh, early 2018, got him into a demo. He tried the device and um, from there, you know, where it was committed to, to help back the team later that week, basically, um, and uh, has been a, a great uh, advisor, you know, supporter and someone that's you know, been there for us, you know, early on and also was a big, big believer in the fact that haptics um, is one of the future and big, most important parts of VR as a whole. So um, that's really where it came about is just that, you know, we vibe very well on the, the vision of where haptics needs to go to be able to, to get to mass market but also understanding how we can take, you know, uh, availability of the traction of the devices that are here today. Dude, you must have been so stoked when Palmer Lucky is trying your device and he's like, holy crap, this is cool. Right? <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Very definitely, cool. It was definitely a very validating feeling for us on the team. You know, it was a... Uh, a very, very cool moment, and, you know, it's been awesome to have, you know, his support, you know, the other investors that have backed us or, you know, the other advisors that have joined us along the way, but that was definitely one of the more validating moments, you know, in the early days, for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, honestly, I feel like um, Contact CI has done a good job of, like, having, like, cool little partnerships and, like, have, like, uh, influential people from within the space be involved in it, you know, like, when I... Um, went to the office for the first time and I saw that handwritten note from Lucas VR tech, uh, from the lucid haptic gloves, the, the DIY haptic gloves. And he was an intern at contact CI before I started that blew my <laughs> mind. I was like, Oh my God, like Lucas was here before he went and did all of his stuff. Like that is so cool. Oh, uh, Lucas is the best. Lucas, is, I mean, he's awesome. A big, big, big fan. Um, I would say, like, congruently, when he started doing, you know, his his channel was when we first started to get to know each other as well. Um, so he had he had at least officially started, you know, uh, at the same time. I don't want to claim that, you know, he hadn't, you know, had his own ideas and, and begun what he was doing when before he started working here. Um, it was amazing, you know, working together. But uh, um, he at the I think at the time the 
the first first post I had seen from him that someone had sent over, he had you know maybe sub 500 views on at the time, and we kind of you know linked right then and 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 you know started started going. Um, big big fan of Lucas. That's great. You ever look at his project and be like, hey dude, you better be careful, all right? <laughs> you know what I mean? You ever, mm, you ever, you ever have that talk with conversation? him? Conversation? I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 absolutely not no i mean his project uh, i'm a big believer in that like uh haptics like all modalities of interaction are going to have multiple peripherals and multiple things that happen to get us to the market right um there's there's different niches for each of us to to bring it you know create the wave and bring the wave together right there there's not going to be just one gravitational force that that makes it initially happen um or even like fills all of the market needs as it uh, you know fully matures and comes to full consumer side. Um, but uh, I mean, so it's really cool to see all the other haptic work that's going on out there. I think it's something that's necessary. By no means do I think uh, there shouldn't be other innovation and other other projects pushing things forward. So being able to have a you know, that low cost self at home device where you know, it leads to more people being talking and interested in haptics. I think that's a, a, a very important niche for the market to fill. That's beautiful. I, I couldn't have answered that any better myself. Uh, <laughs> Traveling Man 3775 in the chat did have a question. He says, how hot do they get? Most gloves hold in heat. Um, they really don't uh, get that hot um, in terms of we've done a good job in the like heat distribution, you know, where we have top ventilation as a whole. Um, inside of Maestro P, so, you know, we had a number of iterations before the one that we launched here at CES this last year called Maestro P specifically um, that were not this way, but we, we added the open palm so that it helps kind of give you a good amount of breathability, giving you a you know, a more comfortable use while you're wearing it. You don't really come away very, you know, covered in sweat or, you know, sweat, you know, uh, more than you would from, you know, just kind of what your interaction would be already without the glove on. Cool. Yeah. And I feel like the open palm design definitely helps with that, right? Like you have some air on the palm of your hand, which oftentimes for me is like the clammiest part, you know? So you can yeah. like get some, some airflow on your palms at least. Um, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it is a glove, you know, it's not a winter glove. You know, yeah. it's, it doesn't sound like with padding and stuff like that inside of it, um, but it is a glove. So, you know, there is some some warmth to it that you're going to experience that I would say, you, you know, when I and on your hand. anytime I've played with these, I've never, you know, I've never been like, oh, my hands are getting warm. Like, it's never even been something that's crossed my mind. So, I mean, that's good. Right. I've. I've you know, never felt that experience. So I, I feel like these are because Alex yeah. is paid to say that and you're not. So <laughs> yeah. No, no, I <laughs> no I, oh, Hey, you know, this, this is, yeah, this is transparent with the conversation we're having. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this, this is not a sponsored episode oh, for the no, record. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. This yeah, is harkening back to the joke about vulnerability earlier. My bad. I thought that would be <laughs> yeah. understood. No, it was, it was. Sorry, community. It was not, it was not meant that way. Oh, Craig, you're a sweetheart. <laughs> Mickey, Mickey Burr dropping a zero caliber VR steam key in the chat right now. You oh, should jump on that. Yes, you should. And I got to tell you, I have, I have been playing zero caliber, uh, multiple weeks. We go in there and we do co-op missions and we go through the story mode together, like three or four of us at a time. And it's so freaking good. Every time I'm in there, I'm like, how is this game not like one of the most popular games? It, it is really, really good. If you haven't played Zero Caliber in a while, now's your time. Grab that key, get in there, um, especially on Steam. Crank those settings up and play. Uninclined. Uh, what, what's the pitch on Zero Caliber? Uh, it's like a, it's almost like a call. Remember when Call of Duty used to have a campaign? 
right? Oh, yeah. So so it's it's very much like the campaign of a Call of Duty game, but there is also PvP and all of that stuff in there as well. Oh. Uh, but it is, you know, it's very much like you're getting dropped into like some kind of war zone scenario, uh, but it's stupid amounts of fun. You know, the guns all have have uh, detachable scopes and, and silencers, and you can, you know, kind of find pieces to, you know, um, upgrade your weapon along the way. It's just really good, and it's been around for a really long time, but... It has continually improved to the point where it is not the same game that it launched as. So, I anyway. respect that constant iteration. I mean, that's one of the things that's yeah. gotten us to where we are with the Maestro EP. I mean, it's uh, yeah. like like I was alluding to the years over time. It's it's one of those things of VR has to be experimented in. You have to be in it and figure out like what is the the reason this needs to exist and kind of figure out the 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 right thing that actually makes it work rather than just like the ideal idolized you know here's here's how it's going to happen and um you know getting out there and making it and then iterating i think is one of the coolest things that the the people in this market have done a lot of yeah, yeah for real do you remember like back in the day you would go out to the store buy a nintendo cartridge and that's it if there was a bug in that game that bug oh. was forever <laughs> yeah. right now games launch you look at no man's sky right uh not not even close not even close to it was the like same game 20 percent maybe maybe that yeah. right so it's really cool to see that in games but it's also cool to see that in hardware right we continue to get better headsets uh we continue to tackle more and more of the problems um you know that we hear from the community and the people that are using them and things are getting better well uh, we have gloves like uh like contact ci's gloves that have been going through iteration after iteration and they keep getting bigger and smaller and lighter and more breathable and um so it's really cool it's more good dynamic to see. and their force more intimate and in what they're nuanced they're able to do boom that's there right you go. baby yep. that is right can see gaming vr hey can say ten dollars baby hey. baby hey happy friday have an amazing thank podcast you. so much thanks man right on. in terms of life iterations that also happen out there on like the hardware side and like being things that can happen from the market um, it's really cool to see the the leap motion 2 controller to now get its you know successor out there from ultra leap right having that exist um, have from the Leap, Leap Motion One controller being the same hardware for so long, continually getting upgraded from software and making it you know push further and push further and showing what can come with having this device that's already existing. And now that that market has proven that that uh, needs to continue to exist, it's necessary and be helpful to have a, an upgraded version. You know they put out the hardware that can now cap that software even hard, harder and go any further on that side. Um, so it's, I mean it's just I think that's another cool example of something that's out there in the world that has. You know, put put a device, got in developers' hands, got into users' hands, got feedback, iterated over years, existed over years, but maybe trying to figure out what was the right use case, and now has the the, the proper successor that's out there in the market. So, if you're looking to integrate hand tracking into any of your devices, uh, and you're not using one of the first platform part, you know, interactions, I do think you know, checking out that Leap Motion control, controller too, even if you saw Leap Motion back in the day, uh, and don't think it's the was worthwhile. Like there's been years and years and years of upgrades that make it worthwhile nowadays. It's so good now. It's so tiny and small. And for anyone out there in the chat that doesn't know what an Ultra Leap controller is, it's it's this little thing you stick on the front of your headset, and it creates really good, accurate hand tracking. Uh, better the than is the Leap Motion controller, though. The, like that's specifically the brand on it. Just even the, like Ultra Leap's like the oh right, right, and then they because like the Ultra Leap is their haptic side. Yes. 
Yeah, gotcha. They, man, Just they should sponsor us, you know, because <laughs> we were talking. If you're an audio listener, I'm literally wearing an Ultra Leap t-shirt right now. Yeah. And we were like sitting here, just like gushing over their hand track, like ultra. Oh, it's so it's so ultra leap. Send us a check. Where's Where's Tessa? <laughs> I'm hitting up Tessa. After they this. have sent us hand tracking oh, modules. Which is really I, I well played. <laughs> yeah. But man, they're so good, right? Because like, so Quest uses cameras, and they try to identify. They use algorithms and software to try to identify your hands. And right now, the Quest is doing a phenomenal job doing so. It's come light years from from the very first iteration of their hand tracking. Oh yeah. But uh, the things that ultimately have my favorite hand tracking right now. Yeah. Personally, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And Ultra Leap has done a phenomenal job since the beginning too, right? Using all different kinds of sensors and things to be able to accurately track your hands, which, you know, I, uh, I know I've told you before and, and I know, you know, Craig, but, uh, the founder of ultra of, of um, not ultra, Leap, but leap motion went on to, uh, eventually sell the company and go find uh, mid journey, which is pretty cool. Right. So I don't know, just some little, it's a, it's a nice comeback story, a nice, nice, uh, you know, founder chip on the shoulders of, uh, I'm going to do it my way from, you know, learning from what, you know, went on in the leap motion side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to David and, you know, the, the, I think they've got a 40 person team that does mid journey now. I like people calling them the, the new era Craigslist in that way, kind of <laughs> some of the ways that they're bucking the venture capital market, you know, and going their yeah. own way. Um, uh, but yeah, it's really cool to see what, what the, that team has been able to, to, to go out and recontinue both, you know, the group that's continued within Ultra Leap on the Leap Motion side and then the group that's, you know, with David gone out to do Mid Journey. Um, with, you know, it's, it's really awesome to see that stuff, you know, as a whole for sure. It is. The mind it must have taken to be like, hey. I'm going to make something that can track your hands in a spatial computing environment, right? Like before VR was even a thing, I mean, you had this thing hooked up to screens and kind of doing a minority report, like swiping and, you know, moving stuff around on computers, which is really, really cool. And then to, to, you know, get that to a point where it's so good and then leave and do something like mid journey, artificial intelligence, like, man, that guy's mind. We need smart people out there. Yes. Smarter than me. Yep. Because I'm not figuring <laughs> that out. Uh, traveling man again with another good question uh, saying, could surgeons perform surgery from across the planet with these? Meaning, you know, haptic gloves and, and hand tracking. Or aren't we there yet? What do you think, Craig? Um, it's definitely possible, but it's not something that I would say is the, the most optimal way to be doing it right now. Um, there's a lot of things in terms of the full stack of combining the sensor on the end of the fingertip of the robot. There's good ones that are out there, like uh, Touch Labs or like, uh, um, why am I blanking? It's uh, Syntouch. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. Um, big fan of Syntouch. Sorry for your shout out, y'all. Um, but like those types of fingertips, you know, combined with more animatronic hands, like a, a shadow hand or, you know, something that's got enough dexterity to be, you know, able to output similar to your full hand, that makes it possible. Um, right now the surgeons aren't really trained on that. So that's also part of it, right? Is there's, if you look at like, say how the Da Vinci robot, you know, got it scaled up, there had to be a number of, of years where the surgeons themselves were learning that skill versus directly, you know, dexterously manipulating on the, the patient themselves. Um, but it is something that is absolutely coming and a big part of what my initial college thesis was, is, is getting to that standpoint. Um, there's a few technologies that are now in 2023 making it possible for pilots to start happening. Um, but there's, you know, I don't see this being something that would truly be happening until more like the 2030s, you know, late 2030s decade that you're seeing it going on rather than, you know, here in the, the 2020s decade that you're having that, you know, actively be uh, a common function. But it's something that, like, 
you know, I've been able to wear a haptic glove, feel a robotic hand, you know, doing something on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean from me. Um, and so it's definitely possible. It's definitely happening. You know, that was a robotic hand doing so. Um, it's just there's a number of steps that need to happen before you're going to get regulation as well as like, you know, surgeons already being trained and, and comfortable in putting that into the field. Word. I wouldn't want to deal with latency issues with um, telepresence surgery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry yeah, about that cut. There was one of the things that 5G actually is, is helpful for. Like early in the in the 5G push, like a lot of those all those companies reached out to us, like wanting to you know use haptics as an example of something they could do in a demo booth, and that was really like the only one that made it worth entertaining and interesting yeah. for us because it was like. You have a low enough latency that you can do, you know, uh, a far distance, you know, interaction like that one that uh, was with the Touch Labs team, you know, directly doing the robotic fingertip, you know, over in the UK at their their facilities, you know, versus Alex and I were in LA wearing a haptic glove. Um, so, you know, that and that was no latency, nothing, you know, that's from LA to uh, Scotland. So amazing. Uh, Amazing. That's so cool. I can't wait until until 5G comes along even more and has more reach and and you know not so huge cities all over the all over the world where everyone can kind of have that that kind of latency free um, internet. Uh, I would one of, one of my visions on it that I think will be really um, pretty pretty world impactful if we're able to do so. Um, you know. If we can make it to where keyboard workers aren't the only ones that can work remotely, if desired, right? I'm not saying this is something that everyone needs to be, but if we have a, let's say, a valve, oval, valve uh, oil change facilities, valve, is that how you say it? Valvoline? Is that right? Valvoline, uh, yeah. Yeah, Valvoline. Yeah, valve was messing me up there. You know, I prefer to go that, I guess, muscle memory. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you have like Valvoline um, oil change facilities across the country that have a robotic hand attached to it inside of it that have the ability to let someone, you know, in Cincinnati versus someone in Dallas versus someone in New Orleans versus someone in New York, you know, log into facilities in each of those same places, but, you know, scattered about. And now you have a, you know, you can have maybe gig economy or remote work that comes from hand skills as well, where like you don't necessarily have to live, you know, only right there to be able to work in that facility. You can control through a robotic you know, haptic interface on that hand uh, and be you know logging into your rig at your house you know, or your training facility or something like that um that type of stuff is definitely coming and definitely would be possible um we're ways away from now but that's like you know long-term you know extensions of doing things inside of vr you know allows you also to control the robots in that way it's not even just on the surgery side hell yeah very cool spry I, guy i look forward to that future hi vr spry guy how you doing brother what's up i, I think it was VR Spray Guy, was it just your birthday yesterday? I'm pretty sure it was. Really? Wait, I think it was. Isn't that a, like a long-running joke? Oh, maybe it is. Yeah. I feel like it's always VR Spray yeah. Guy's birthday. Yeah. So then, so then when it actually happens, it's like the boy who cried. Wolf, <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so today, you know, Contact CI, Maestro EP, Haptic Glove, you know, Force Feedback Exotendon System, um, vibration motor, fingertip sensations. Um, you know, that's where we're at in 2023. Um, but what can we share about the vision of the future of haptics, right? Like, are we as a company going to stay focused on gloves? Are we going to expand into other devices um, or other different types of haptics? Like, what can we share about the what's coming? Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, for us at Context CI right now, uh, the only thing that we'll be focused on, you know, or, or have any plans to be focused on is the hand itself. Um, there's enough complexities of what's going on there. Remember when we were talking about multi-force, 
around the fact that there's 15 data points that your fingertip picks up within a two millimeter range, um, and they're you know really detailed, layered on top of each other, and that's what leads to you know, Skiva being able to pick up that you know cup right now, be able to tilt it and feel the physics of the water dripping back and knowing which angle he's at and going from there. All of those levels of details, we want to continue to get really honed in on that rather than expanding elsewhere onto the body, you know, but making sure that at the same time, we don't expand past the footprint of that ergonomic way that we're putting the output onto your hand. Um, so those are the, that's really the focus for us, is how do we get to more detailed ways that you're, you're feeling what's going on and getting, you know, both on the software and the hardware side. Um, so there's, there's some things that can, you know, you know, really, really improve and, you know, things that we are continually and excited to do so. If you'd like to continue working on those projects and problems, we'd love to love you have, you know, reach, us out to, reach out to us here at the Context CI team because we definitely, you know, would like uh, like to continue to get more detailed on, like, the ways that we're making the actuators sing better, but also the ways that we're making the actuators, you know, be a choir and be in harmony together. Nice. There's a lot of, uh, you know, there's like a handful of different haptic approaches right now that you can kind of see people are starting to dip their toes into. Um, one of them that I find really interesting is like temperature stuff, you know, like hot and cold. Uh, what are your thoughts on like temperature haptics? Do you, do you think they're important? Uh, I think temperature haptics have a, a lot of importance, you know, they, you know, in being like a, a second factor. Um, it's similar to like, um, you know, they're, they, there's a lot of inter interactions that they will enhance, but there's you know, not, a, not a ton of interactions that they are solely required for. Um, so you, you can get you know, the first levels of that you know, brain being tricked that it's really there, you know, feeling like you have color TV without it, but I don't know if we can get to true HD TV with, without it. You know? Yeah, like um, the thing that I imagine, like the, the lowest hanging fruit for me is like a firefighter's training module where you grab a door handle. You know, it's like touch mm -hmm. the doorknob. Is it hot? Okay, that's where the fire is. You know, like mm -hmm. it seems like a pretty low hanging fruit. That kind of training seems to me like it would have a pretty practical application. Absolutely, and there definitely is a market for that, as as you uh, you know from our conversations for sure. <laughs> um, uh, the the uh, the really the like biggest concern on most temperature devices is similar to a lot of other you know limitations on other haptic devices in terms of like their modality being introduced until they have a a controllable controllable enough amplitude that makes like the range worthwhile right to where you can go cold enough you can go high enough and you can also be dynamic enough yeah. that you have a a full nuance that you're doing not just an on off but like you know this was hotter this is hot and you know increasing in heat now you're at you know full on fire um you know things like that is is one limitation but then once you get to having that full like you know, frequency control range it comes down to does the latency you know of heating it up and cooling it down you know be enough to be quick enough within the interactions those are the two limiting bottlenecks primarily um there are technologies that have been really cool in, the, in research labs that are out there there's uh, another device that exists you know um in terms of like on the consumer side that is shipping some temperature haptics right now that that do have some you know um, compelling you know force interactions but there's for the most part, you know that those two bottlenecks have kind of kept temperature from being able to be something that's uh, at least ergonomic, you know, and, and being able to come down in a way that doesn't, you know, stop and impede you when you put in a device that's you know too bulky on your hand to be able to make it all, you know, get over those other two you know, bottlenecks. Um, mm -hmm. But it's definitely something that is, you know, on our roadmap in our R and D lab, and something that I'm, you know, actively wanting to to bring to the the Maestro, you know, line in the future. Sweet, yeah, it'll be fun to experiment with that stuff. Um, and potentially dangerous too. Like imagine if something like that yeah. malfunctions. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> there, there's another side of the, the concern on the consumer. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah, yeah. well, I, 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 some really cool medical devices out there that have like made groundbreaking innovations for people on like the, the heat haptic side, if you will, because that's another, the medical device uh, is a lot of world where people don't realize that, because they don't call it haptics what's in it, but like, for, um, I'm liking the name of the disease right now, apologies for, for those that are affiliated or afflicted, um, but when you, your hands get cold, you know, you have like basically, there's a, a severe pain that shoots through your nerve um, with this specific disease. And someone built gloves that basically feel the outside air so that when you can walk through the freezing aisle at a grocery store, it can interact with the outside air being cold and now heat your hand up to avoid that shooting pain. And so that now someone that is afflicted by this, you know, they don't need 13 milliseconds of latency the way that a gamer does to be able to flick a, a poker chip and have it, you know, feel hot when someone like, you know, put that coal in their hand or something or whatever, right? But they do have the ability to get a hot enough temperature inside that glove to counteract the pain that could happen in a 50 to 100 millisecond time frame. So like those technologies are slim enough to fit in a glove and have existed and have trials that are really impactful out there. So there's definitely, definitely stuff that could come, but it's just... Um, right. I mean, it's cool that there's you know real world haptics that are that are making good impact for people's lives before that you know that we can maybe eventually transfer into how we're interacting with computers as well. Hell yeah, yeah, that's the first I've ever heard of that uh, glove um, that like helps people with that pain in their hands. That's it's pretty rad. That is cool. Yeah, that's um, pretty rad. All right, so I got a question for you, Craig. I got are, an answer for you, Alex. Are the Panda Dunks the worst sneaker? Why? Why? What Why? is? What is this you speak of? <laughs> I disagree. That's just not fair. <laughs> what is a panda dunk? What's a panda dunk, Craig? <laughs> um, they're, they're a colorway from Nike specifically. Um, they're a, a popular. You know, they're they're one of the more they're one of the more sought after. You know, Nike dunks these days. You know, Alex and I. Uh, I bought a pair while we were abroad for my wife, uh, and and he's. Uh, uh, so I saw some interviews. Uh, so let me start by saying this because I realized this question is really weird and completely out of left field. Craig has a <laughs> has an affinity for sneakers, specifically okay. Nike sneakers. Cool. Um, cool. And yeah, I did. I did watch him. Uh, or he, you know, I was with him when he purchased a pair for his wife. Um, but recently, I've seen some interviews on like Facebook of people oh. like at conferences, and they're like, "What's the worst sneaker in the world?" And everybody said the Panda Dunk all of them yeah. like everybody it's become a little bit synonymous with like the just like I, oh, I look i'm part of the sneaker culture i know what i'm doing i'm in it but then like you, you don't you know it's just kind of the, the black and white basic you yeah. know, if you will yeah but the, i i appreciate your affinity for sneakers i've personally like i wear like when i buy a shoe it's like purely function like i'm never thinking about like style or whatever but as soon as i start hanging out with craig he's got all of these like nike sneakers that are like special and like mm. limited edition and like you know exclusive and all that stuff and he's got so many of them that are the contact ci colors like oh that's so cool the teal you know nice, so he's like always matching nice. his shirt with his sneakers i'm like man you know what you know what determines whether i buy a shoe or not <laughs> yeah if they make the size that yep. fits your if they have foot. my size <laughs> What size? If you don't mind doxing that. 16. 16? They make most Nikes in 16. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, do they though? So, well, I'll tell you this. If I walk into a store that has all of these cool shoes on the walls, I'm like, wow, look at those. And I say, do you by chance have any, any 16s in the store? And if they don't immediately say no, then they will always go for the ugliest, most whack shoe <laughs> in the whole place. And when they're like, we have these, why, why? Yeah. 
That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> a lot of resellers don't buy them at that price. You got to yeah. directly get it at like uh, from the app itself to get it at that size. Absolutely, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I can share, you know, uh, you know, the, my my strategy next time out there. Nice. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'm a big believer in like you know. The, what you put on, you know, it, it you know, uh, your shoe itself kind of specifically is part of your day to start the day. It's you're going out there. It's you're, you put on to walk in the world. Everyone puts two shoes on when they start their day, and it's just like uh, I don't know. It's like a for me, I, like I like Fresh Kick Fridays is a thing I do sometimes because it makes <laughs> me feel good, right? It's like a it's like a nice little perk. It adds thing, you know, things up, but. Um, I'm also one of those people who like I don't I don't put sneaker culture on anyone I don't I don't yuck anyone else's yum and I don't expect them to enjoy my yum so right uh, how, that's my that's my thoughts on it yeah, how, how many pairs put sneaker con- culture on most people <laughs> what's your closet look like like how many pairs of Nikes do you think you own oh, I don't want to disclose that okay. <laughs> So, so then I will ask. Then I'll ask this. Yeah, then. A respectful night's work, you know. And it's a, it's a true American uh, grit, you know, story of starting something and b- bring something that like represented what he wanted to bring, and also like served that the customers need it. So I think it's a, I think it's one of the, like the triumph of business stories of America, and I think it's uh, something I'm happy to support. Beautiful. Heck yeah. So I want to know then when is the Contact CI kicks coming out? Like when do I get haptics? Yeah, baby. That when I'm doing like I'm walking in VR. I feel it. I feel it hitting the bottom of my feet, and I go kick someone in blade and sorcery, and boom, I feel it. Yeah. Come on, let's go. You're a sneaker guy. Let's do this. Let's make that's, this happen. That's fair, but again, I, I mean, the contact CI side probably will not be focusing on the shoes. I think there's some other ones that are like <laughs> Ecto VR. They're doing some great boots. They're doing awesome nice. boots that bring your feet into the environment. Like, I think there should be people who are themselves that are building that. Um, I don't want to say we're going to, like, you know, but maybe a nice Nike collab on uh, a, a, a material that gets go. us to the point where, you know, you actually have that that self-lacing glove, you know, something like, you know, true back to the future, but it's like, you know, we're reaching into to VR to feel the unreal. Um, you know, that's... Uh, you know, maybe that's where that well, that'll happen. You know, uh, from from that route. But nice. You know, we're not a, we're not a shoe company ourselves. You know, we we just want people to, to to lace up their hands to to get into VR. We don't need people to lace up their shoes to get out to the world. <laughs> I love it. That's right, baby. <laughs> that is right. So you know. We, we talk about mass adoption on, on this podcast a lot, um, and I think that there's a lot of different perspectives on it, um, but I'm interested, like, what your thoughts are in terms of, like, you know, from the Contact CI perspective, like, the biggest hurdles into, like, getting people to adopt this technology and start using it and start leveraging it. Like, what's standing in the way of everybody having a pair of Maestro EPs for their applications? Um biggest thing about biggest bottleneck that has existed for haptics is we are limited for, for first and foremost by the hand tracking um you know that like i think it's a massive thing i'm very excited about i'm a, i did the sort of similar thing that skiva did that you guys are talking about in the opening of but you know just one generation you know a couple generations before you're getting prepared on having the apple device so that i could you know be ready for when the vision pro comes out um and it's particularly exciting that they're launching as a hand tracking first device without controllers um, so having the hand tracking be at the forefront of how everything's being designed from a user application side, from how a user is being trained to, to expect to interact with objects, that's the first thing that matters for the haptics even existing and being useful inside the object. Um, so that that being, you know, how the platforms themselves are pushing it now is, is a big thing for it coming forward. I think that's one of the reasons why over the last nine years we haven't really considered it at all until it was at a point where you, know, you had... Gemini bringing ultra leaps, you know, tracking to the point where now you have a Vario that has interactions in it that are at a level of consumer that can be hand tracking viable. Um, that that makes it possible for us. I mean, 
the knuckles controllers, you know, that that was something that made it interesting, right? Being able to slide in, you know, to what you have from, you know, what you have on your index, you know, cap sensitive up and down motion tracking there. Um, but that again still had the next factor of it being the user friction of your putting on the glove, then you're putting on the controller on top of it. Now you have multiple devices all around you, and that's the biggest bottleneck of any type of wearable thing. Is yeah. you know how how much time does it take for user friction to go into it? And then third, I think is kind of comes back to the the reason why Nike somewhat inspires me is how does the product make people feel? You know, does it make it excited to put it on? Are they they feeling like it's a uh, like impeding them or it's a, a step that's not like you know worth it like when i go skiing i feel good to put on my burton gloves and like put on my oakley goggles and get going like because of like the feel of how those i don't feel like i'm getting like getting ready doesn't feel like a burden it feels like uh i'm suiting up right yeah so like having having the product get to the point where people feel like they're you know avengers assembling putting their headset and their gloves on you know that makes it a that's a big part of you know the mass adoption props that can come from putting your hands and your eyes into devices both together at the same time and then being able to jump into a virtual environment such a good point yeah it is yeah, such a good real. point like people feel like something like i don't know there is something about wearable technology that i do think people struggle with that sometimes you know like they don't feel like they're putting on their oakley goggles and about to bomb a hill on a skate you know they're like oh geez what am i getting myself into oh how am i gonna look with this stuff hanging off of me that <laughs> like puts them into a into like a vulnerable position where now they're like almost on the defensive sometimes um that's honestly never something that i've ever felt i have never for a second struggled with that you think so? I, yeah, I, I think you are. I hear that a lot from people, more than I would have ever thought, because I think I'm an anomaly too. I never really even thought about it until people really started bringing it up. Like I'd be like, "Oh, try this," and people are like, "No, I'm gonna look stupid." Like, what? You care? You care about that? Yep. Oh no way! That's a thing. Yeah, you, you buy your shoes off function. Most Americans don't. That's why I buy Panda Dunks. Yeah, <laughs> straight up. Yeah, it's interesting. I was at, um, you know, this was like when I was really first getting into VR. My first year of VR, maybe year and a half, you could not get me to shut up about it. Mm -hmm. Like, if you were talking to me, I was talking to you about VR, period. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was the only thing yeah, I cool. thought of for 18 months straight. And um, everybody that I worked with at the restaurant was just like uh, uh you know like they had to deal with me um so anyway i went to a party one time and i brought a playstation or maybe they had it there i don't know it doesn't matter and we were playing beat saber and like everybody's kind of taking a turn in the headset mm -hmm. and uh there was a girl at the party who would not do it absolutely not like could not be convinced in the slightest to put that headset on and we're like girl just just put on the headset like it'll be fun and she's like no like hardcore no and it turns out just because it's primarily because she thought she would look goofy in it i am so happy i'm not vain <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's, not vain. it's not vain it's more it's uh i don't i don't want to put that that thought down it's more of like a self-preservance of like um like what like the vulnerability that alex was talking about i think is where it comes more down to yeah. that like specifically with covering your eyes and your ears right you know okay uh, well, Steve, you've, you've lived in okay. your body your whole life right you're not yeah. you know yeah. Uh, I've lived in I've I've lived in the body of being at 16 I was you know five four 100 pounds and then by 21 I was six two you know 200 yeah. pounds so I saw a difference of what it was being like a tiny vulnerable person to then not um, I true I think I think True. part of it 
Okay, so so if you can't, you know, if you look at it from perspective of of I cannot see something could happen, you know, like I I'm I'm freaked out because I can't see the world around me. I don't feel safe. That's one thing. You know, when I said vain, I was going from from a standpoint of I'm gonna look stupid. What are people gonna think? You know what I mean? Like like I just self consciousness. I, I I don't ever want. Um, to miss out on potential life-changing technology um, or even perspective-changing technology because I'm nervous about, you know, what what people are going to think on how I look on on the outside. So, uh, I think that's probably why the two of you have early adopter ethos. And that's a good Mm -hmm. thing. And that's another section of, you know, what's necessary for, you know, technology adoption to come along, right? Mm -hmm. Great question Uh, from VR Spry Guy. How big was Skiva at 16? Uh, at 16, I was my current height. I was just a lot skinnier. (laughs) Yeah, I was six, seven and I was probably right around 150 pounds. At what age did you hit that six, seven mark? Oh, I, I, uh, I hit it in middle school. I was, um, I think I was in between sixth and seventh grade. And was everybody like, bro, join the basketball team? Well, I mean, the teachers were like, where's your homework and i'm like oh, no, I'm so you know like it, yeah it was weird and everyone wanted me to play basketball everyone did and i tried and then everyone's like yeah maybe nice. it's not for you maybe it's not for you you know yeah i mean that's very reasonable that happens to everyone that has this i mean i have a, I have a good buddy that he was already tall early right like you know his his dad was just below seven foot you know and he ended up you know getting to seven two by the time we were seniors in high school wow that's uh, wild that's great. and uh but he was the same bean pole, right? You know, mm-hmm. and it was like first. Yeah, I was like he played basketball. He did a little bit, and it was like off the bus intimidating factor. But then once you see him start moving, he he was you know not into the way that now he's extremely athletic. You know, because he's you know been able to grow into that body, be able to move yeah. with it, and has has full appropriate reception that's expected for that size of length. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, yeah. I'm sure you'd be better now is all I mean by that. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and later on in life, I did go on to play some sports. You know, I played rugby for a little while. And, you know, I, I, I like just playing some, you know, random stuff with friends outside. But back in the day, growing up, it was awkward and weird. And I didn't like basketball. I didn't want to play it. But everyone was like, you don't want to be rich? I was like, oh, oh, all right, I'll go try it, you know, and I tried it and I genuinely didn't like it. And, and, uh, yeah, I wasn't very good at it either. Um, those hand skills that you've built by getting comfortable in it now, we yeah. still allow that transfer to people in VR, right? You know? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you know, <laughs> rather than like that first time you're playing basketball and you know, being awkward of like, you know, my hands, I don't know what these are, right? You know, you've used them for a long time now and you know, you're able to do it. That's like uh, some of the big difference for what we see from like controllers and gloves and why haptics are the whole long-term matter is that like you have those weird little learning models in your brain and you're not really, know, you don't, like by the time that your arms got to the length that they are, you're now able to interact at, at that distance. But when they were shorter, you might've, you know, they while they were growing and constantly changing, interactions were still constantly being more awkward and, and messing up because you didn't have a, like a standard set of like, here's what I expect my hands to be. That's long term what leads into the ergonomic aspect of things is like everyone has a very different you know match up to what they expect their hands to have been at because they've gotten used to that that full length that full change that full dexterity that full bit of movement um, because of you know some of that like kind of same experience for me in basketball when my my arms grew right I went from being that that really small child to not in that same time period and like I went from being able to shoot a basketball to like if I pick it up like I don't know what I'm doing with it now because they're like my hands two inches further away from me than they were and that feels really odd I don't know how to move my arms around properly um so trying to make sure we never like give those expectations difference is like a lot of 
know, where ergonomics comes to the, the, the part of how we're building here at Context CI. You know, just small little things like that. Sorry to jump, you know, fully into it, but I think it's like, you don't realize how much your brain has picked up on what your hand has been doing throughout its whole life and where its standard is. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that is, uh, yeah, I mean, great point to make at the perfect time. Mm-hmm. Um, we are getting close now, so we're about to start wrapping this up. Um, but I do just want to ask you, Craig, like, is there anything that's important about what we're doing at Contact CI or about haptics in general or about VR in general that you think we should probably mention or that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet? Um, how you feeling? You know, I want to give you a chance to just bring up something that we should have talked about yet that we haven't. Oh, you know, it's always dangerous to just give me an open floor. But, uh, <laughs> um, are you sure you want that? Oh, yes. Kidding. Oh, yes, sir. And, uh, yeah, no, I would, I, I feel like I've enjoyed the conversation quite a bit. Um, but I think the one thing that's really important for people to, to take away about Context CI is our, our goal is that right now today we want to, you know, use simulation training and other ways that, you know, you have your hands already being extended on an enterprise side. To, to train all the, the long-term, you know, software and models and the iterations that we need to on the hardware to get to that long-term consumer extension of the hand sense of touch. Um, and uh, that's why if you're a developer out there who's, you know, using some sort of hand tracking already, you know, we built it to be additive on top of that. There's no hand tracking inside the glove other than the software so that you don't have to replace what you're already building. You can, you know, add the haptics directly on top of it. Um, you know, that's really, I think, one of the important things about the process of way that we've been building is trying to make sure that we're enabling things that will only be additive, you know, you know, you have your hands already there, how do we add that you're adding the touch in, um, and how do we add, you know, more actuations onto the multi-force in a way that, you know, keeps things ergonomic in its design. Mm-hmm. What is, uh, what's been your primary focus as CEO of the company in the past month or so? Um, thousand different things. But like, why did you travel recently? Oh, uh, I mean, we're uh, not something that that travels not, I guess, to be disclosed. Okay, I, I did. I th- I didn't know if you were disclosing that or not, but fair enough. I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about it if you wanted to. No, absolutely. No, I, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, there's. We were this week. You and I were together to see some of our customers at the Air Force, right? You yes. know, that's one of the travels that happened this week. We can talk about. Um, you know, it's a. Uh, it's one of the things that right now we're constantly looking for. You know, people that have you know built tracking or built you know, content around a controller, um, and are looking to now bring that uh, from that controller upgraded to being an integration with haptics. That's one of the things that we're you know actively doing so today. So. You know, it's not a number of the content that we've done with the Air Force is specifically stuff that was built around, you know, again, if you put your button, you put your controller down, it makes the switch happen by pressing the, the trigger or pressing A, but instead, you know, upgrading that to where you have, you know, an ultra-leap integration or you have a Quest integration or you have a HoloLens integration, and we've added the haptics on top of it so that you can feel those interactions themselves. Um, that's really important because we're trying to, you know, every day, you know, whether it's for a customer or if you want to join the team just to help us build out interactions, like we want to be working on every day of, like, you know, something like, how is this hammer supposed to feel inside VR? How's this saw supposed to feel? Or how things like that so that we can, you know, add those tools and those libraries to, to what developers and other pieces of content can, can add to in the future. And that, that's a big part of, the, of the, the future right now is trying to unlock, like, you know, how we can, how we can continue to build more nuanced haptics or more compelling haptics on the, from the software side that takes advantage of what EP can do today. Sweet. And I have I have one more question yeah. here. Oh, um, I, would like to, I would love to know if there are, are uh, i'm sure you know this wouldn't be tomorrow but are there ever plans um that you've ever thought about uh for a consumer version of these gloves definitely without a doubt um 
the definitely the goal is to get there um you know uh we've we designed a lo- we designed a pair with a Sony logo on them at one point in time. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> uh, oh. we'll we were there um, years ago. You know, uh, not something currently in process, uh, but like you know, it's definitely something that's in our roadmap and something that's in part of the plan. Um, a really big part of like why I guess um, simulation training or like research and design applications or being able to use things for like you know, uh, let's say a car manufacturer being able to unlock them doing a user case study of if I put the dials over here, does it mess up the fact that like now they have to look to reach for it rather they can still just find it, touch it and grip it and go forward it before redesign their physical model or being able to do things where like, um, you know, you can feel a phys- an actual scalpel go across clay without having the clay or the scalpel be there because you have that multiple layers of force, but still being able to, you know, ergonomically move your hand like you would as the normal artist who's sculpting that clay design of how you do each year in the, in the car process. Those types of things uh, we can interact and make them happen already today to build out that full library of interactions that will eventually make it possible for game developers to not have to really rework everything you know that they're doing to, to, to add haptics onto all the interactions that they're doing in their current consumer content. Um, or in things like you know you and I being in a virtual space and handshaking and high-fiving and feeling that on a consumer side. And we want all that to already kind of exist from the roadmap of work we've done on the enterprise side. Awesome. And, you know, very cool. It's a really exciting time right now, folks. You know, uh, obviously, I was being coy with my questions to Craig because I know there's a lot of exciting things happening at Contact CI right now that we can't always talk about, um, which is why I can't directly ask some questions. But Things are exciting. I, I just um, I can talk with Alex about them. I'm like, wait, this isn't a Zoom call. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll take that <laughs> offline. Um, but just know, people, that there are it's exciting times for haptics. It's exciting times for Contact CI. There's a lot of stuff happening. You know, we are moving. We're making things happen. Um, and if you are out there and you're like, okay yeah these guys are awesome maybe i want to be a part of this squad maybe i want to contribute or help you can reach out to me you can reach out to craig and um we'll see if we'll see if we can make something happen you know because we're uh we're gonna make this happen haptics are happening right absolutely haptics are happening my 3p is available shipping and producing right and selling and shipping out right now um like like alex said but there's uh, lots of lots of good stuff going on as well so i i, I really appreciate you guys having me here to talk on between realities because i mean it's uh, haptics are happening, but realities are happening because, you know, there's a lot of good grass movement conversations in the consumer space, always pushing it forward. Dude, thank you so much. There are some links in the description below uh, to get in touch with Contact CI um, and, or Craig if you wanted to reach out to him and you have additional questions. Um, dude, like for real, it has been such an honor working with you for the past year, man. Like I was so excited when I got the gig and I'm still every bit as excited today as I was when we started, um, if not more so because over the past year, I feel like we've really like learned how to work well together and hit a stride and things are feeling great. And, uh, you know, I feel like this is just, uh, like a symbolic thing to have you on as a guest on the podcast right at like that one year mark. Um, and I can't wait to see what we do together, man. It's super exciting stuff. So thank you so much. Yeah, Steve, it's been great to know you this past year. I have that spell. It really has been awesome. It's been an awesome year. Um, and uh, Steve, it has been also awesome getting to know you as well. I don't. I didn't mean that toast and joust. I just oh, I know. I know. Yeah. I know. Um, and, and, and I will say, too, that, you know, I, I have thoroughly enjoyed every interaction that I've had uh, with, with Context CI Gloves. And, you know, traveling around and going to some of these expos uh, and getting to hang out with you. Uh, you're a really good dude. Um, super stoked that you're in this industry making awesome things happen and uh you know can't wait till the next time we get to meet up at a, at a convention shouldn't Absolutely. be too long 
appreciate you all. I want to throw a shout out to uh, Ashley Huffman. Happy birthday. You said that she was part of the story. Um, she is actually originally how Alex and I met um, because, you know, other, you know, the, the grassroots of that community continue and connect people together that, that helps move things together. So if there's ever, you know, someone that you think that we should be talking to or someone that you want to be talking to us, like Alex said, hit us up, uh, follow us on the, the LinkedIn, follow us on the Twitter, you know, follow us out there on the social spaces. Um, but contact CI and or myself and or Alex and Skiva will all be available. So appreciate y'all. It was awesome to be here. Thank you so much, Craig Douglas, CEO of Contact CI, my direct superior at work. I will see you in stand up on Monday. Thank Absolutely. you so much for being here, brother. We'll talk to you soon. See you on your friends. All right, everybody, say bye to Craig. Bye, Craig. Bye, Craig. Bye. Wait, wait, oh, oh wait, wrong wait. button. Come on, man. There, oh, there it goes. goes. All right. There it goes. I started getting scared for a second. <laughs> and and I really do appreciate that shout out that Craig just did for Ashley. Um, yeah. She is the reason why I work at Contact CI. Straight up. Like she is the reason she made the connection happen. She made the introduction. Craig and I got to meet, and it was, all, it, you know, the rest is history, you know? That's um, awesome. So she has been pivotal in my journey. Um, not only just with this introduction to Craig, but also giving, giving me speaking opportunities at conferences because she set up panels and stuff. And, um, I just couldn't say enough good things about Ashley Huffman. So shout out. Happy Ashley's birthday, amazing. She yeah. is just an incredible person. Yep. Yep. She really, really is. Yep. Dude, you're an incredible person. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. You too, buddy. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know what? We just have incredible people in this we do. community. We do. Like, it's we're lucky. You know? Very. We're really lucky because very, every very guest we so. have on Between Realities is amazing. Yep. And everyone who tunes in and um, listens to the show is amazing. Yep. You know, like, there's, I have seen nothing but evidence of that. Um, our live chat popping off today thank you all so much for being here and being a part of this uh hussein x and riyamu vr and mickey bear and kensei gaming and red slash ace and my wife Brittany giving a hand for craig um mind jive and duggers k and traveling man and red slash ace and paradise decay as well um laszlo 216 and classy grandma and spry guy and arcanian and e-pilot 007 too all of these amazing people wow Awesome. Yeah. Love it. Michelle B got in here. Oh, heck yeah. I don't know That's if you saw Michelle that. B. Michelle B got in here. Reboot Imagine Sweet. and Jose, right? Yeah. Swordsman yeah. VR was in the house earlier. Oh, nice. Right on. Yeah. Love Studios. Yeah. Test Your Might VR was in the house earlier, oh, cool. too. Um, yeah. We've had Brandon VR here and getting things done. German Rifter, right? Happy birthday again out to him. Um, thank you all so much for being here. It was super fun and uh it was cool to have Craig on, you know, Craig and I talk every day. So it was great to have him on as a guest. And yeah, I, it was rad, man. I, I, I completely meant it that I've truly enjoyed inter every interaction that I've gotten to have with Craig, uh, you know, in, in our travels. Um, yeah. Just an awesome guy. Yo, so Desmoda. Shout out yeah. Desmoda. What's up, dude? Good to see you, man. Um, all right. So cool. What's even happening with us now? So, um, so next week we will not be here because we will be traveling home from MetaConnect during um during the showtime um but uh after that we will be back the following week uh with special guest ryan deluca of black box vr making amazing things happen with virtual reality and fitness um so it's gonna be great Looking yeah forward to that conversation. Yeah. i've actually met ryan and done inter an interview with him uh for my personal channel like way back in the day um and black box vr is the real deal like it is a mm -hmm. fully integrated dynamic resistance based machine that is built into a vr game and it is really fun and really effective like ryan is like 
proof is in the pudding. Like you look at the guy and he's just like, like, a, <laughs> like a Greek God, you know, like <laughs> looks beautiful. So, um, it's really, really dope. And I'm excited to learn more about what made that thing happen because I was blown away by it. Um, but yeah, we'll be uh, in California next Friday. Um, attending MediConnect. Well, I don't know about attending, right? <laughs> I don't, don't have the official invite yet, but maybe I'll get it. And regardless, we're going to be there mm-hmm. um, networking and connecting with people. So if you are in the area, um, don't hesitate to reach out to us and uh, we can set something up. Um, what else, man? Is that it? That's it. I um, I want to say uh, if you are a social VR fan, uh, there has been some announcements happening around a program called Resonite. So I want to say to go ahead and keep an eye on social media about that, about that uh, social platform, because um, I think it's going to be really cool. Check out <laughs> check out Resonate and you'll yep. see why we're yes. excited and then yep. maybe next week we can check uh, it out on Twitter uh, and and there are announcements happening today and um, all kinds of things happening so keep an eye on that I'm very very excited um, about it and uh, excited to uh, see what happens next week with the uh, Quest Three this is gonna be rad. It is going to be rad. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be so much to talk about in two weeks now. Yeah. When we get back, like the quest three will be way more of a thing than it is right now. Right. We'll we'll know prop. I'm guessing we're going to know an actual official release date um, and uh, more things, way more things about the headset. Um, so we can, you know, we can kind of chat about that but stuff. Two as well. weeks, bro. I know it's super sad. If there's, if there's a way, you know, we would try, but I don't know, it man. It is what it is. It is what it is. Well, we, we'll miss you all. Yes, um, we will. Thanks again for listening. Shout out, upload. Shout out, uh, podcasts. I don't know. Um, we love you guys. <laughs> Have a great weekend. Join our Discord. We'll be playing games this weekend, and yes, we, uh, we would love to join um, you guys in those games. And uh, thanks again uh, yeah. to our today's guests, Craig from Context CI, and we will see you all in two long weeks with Ryan DeLuca from Black Box VR. Until then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.